Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the soapily beautific hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand to create, yes, a better life for Thank all of us. God in heaven. <laughs> You're serious, aren't you? The following <laughs> program, True Crime Uncensored, is produced on the Outlaw Radio Network by Magic Matt Allen and is heard worldwide on Outlaw Radio, Air FM, Hear Women Talk, uh, Backyard Party Network, Shoutcast, and fillings of your teeth, probably. I am the legendary Burl Bear, Howard Lapidus, manager to the star. Is sitting right over there. That I am. The reason why you point to him. Yeah, so people What's watching their computer at home <laughs> can, can see me they can, point. They can see, imagine him pointing and yeah. imagine my handsomeness once again. <laughs> oh, boy. <Okay>. Delusional, yes. <laughs> Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. And the fact is, I'm here. He is here, and so am I, and so is Matt. Has our phone rang yet? <laughs> I guess that means no. Oh, so, so are we solo? Well, no, I should be calling any, any, any moment unless you tried calling and got confused and called at 11 this morning until <laughs> this wheel that, that has happened. Yeah, people on the East Coast do that. That has but happened. But I, yeah. I, I checked my email today, and it said, Aaron Moriarty has recommended you on LinkedIn. I was so excited. You know, LinkedIn is, um, you know, I've got, I'm all over LinkedIn, but don't quite get Why? Yeah, I, I, I get LinkedIn. I don't get hey, branch out. Let me. Can I weigh in on this? Yeah, yeah, Magic yeah, the, Man L. I, I, the same, exactly. I don't get it. I don't see where it works. I, don't, I, I right? accept. And there's right, usually, me too. And there's then nothing. people. Nothing comes. Up, nothing. Or or what happens to me is people try and drag me into situations I'd have no want or desire to be in. Right. So why should you even be involved in these? I'm telling you, the social network thing. I don't know if it's the future. Uh, I think it's the past. I think it is the past. But the past and the future are all you one. Know, we talk about this, you know, and everybody got all excited about the Facebook IPO that came out. I wasn't excited. No, you can't be. And, and of course, day one, you know, that thing drove off the lot and lost, you know, 25%. At the that end. could have been a car. It could have been a car. It just, uh, you know, you want to be Mark Zuckerberg, but then... You you really want to root for him to sell the second he can. Yeah. Well, that's usually what you do. I mean, it's always an acquisition market. Yeah. Like, but you know, they, they they here's the problem with those guys. They don't know how to make money. They got one billion followers or, or Facebook page people. Okay, call us what you will. Uh, call us not customers, by the way. Because no, they I wouldn't do not, call you a customer. They don't. Uh, Facebook doesn't treat us as customers. There is no customer service line. No such thing exists. Um, what we just had is like massive static, and I don't know where that. Uh, well, it's her. the animal magnetism in the room. Yeah, well, it's, my, no, it's my animal magnetism. That's fine. No, no, no it's just right. it oh, I'm, I'm breaking up bad. Yeah, you you're too? breaking out too. Yeah, that. <laughs> wow. wow, is that your microphone? I don't know. I don't know what's doing that. It's disgusting. Whatever. It is not good. It's um, a little better out of now. Curiosity, Mr. Burrow. Yes. Do you happen to have Aaron's number. Well, you know that's a private matter. Uh, well, I, in this case, it's no longer private. Yes. Well, no, I, I actually I don't have her home number, her home cell number. So, but we have so, communicated all week long. Well, that's, that's, you're, you're, yes, your it's your microphone. You're going to have to uh, jiggle your part. <laughs> yeah, it's loose there. You got a problem, a deep rooted emotional problem. Is that any better? Oh, it's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, I guess we fixed that problem. But uh, Aaron Moriarty. Uh, who has been a fan of the show for, you know, well before my time. Oh, yeah. How long has my time been about a year, year and a half? Yeah, time goes by so well, quickly. Well, we, have, we interviewed her once before, I'm sure of it. I didn't. 
Uh, she's I only been on once. I, I think you have her confused with somebody else. Yeah, I, I, I was here I, I did not. Uh, for an interview. You may have been sitting around like you used to sit around. Now you participate. But, no, but, no, I, I think I was sitting in for Don. You were sitting in for Don? Don yeah. let you sit in? <laughs> well, I Back then? There's another uh, uh, stiffing of a guest. No, no, no. She must have been hit by Kerry Drobin's truck. That's a possibility. I hope not. No, no, she went to a Bieber concert. <laughs> a Justin Bieber concert? Yeah. What's the matter? You know, people give this kid a lot, a lot of crap. Yeah, they give him a lot of crap. Why? Just <laughs> because he drives fast on the freeway? You know, it's the same crap, by the way. When we were, you know, in our teens, and Burl, you were in your 20s. But when we were in our teens. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this smart when, when If she hasn't called by now. Give me about Aaron Moriarty. <laughs> we can talk about I mean, We'll talk about you when you're, when you're not here. If she's not here, we'll, we can talk about her. Um, <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about her. No, there's nothing you can't. So, I mean, so, she's so, going to so, donate her cheekbones to the Smithsonian when she dies. That's, I don't know how funny that is. Uh, well, we'll I'm, take I'm, a I'm kind of rolling it around in my head, Burl, and it's coming up uh, snake eyes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I can't yeah. win them all. No, you can't. <laughs> and how uh, many have you won, Howard? Twelve. I kept six. I was twelve. I've won six. I've lost most of the rest. But those six paid for the whole deal. That's right. Okay? That's how it works. You have to, you know, you're going to, you know, I read a book by uh, W. Clement Stone. That guy. Remember this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him uh, in the first, my first uh, job as a talk show producer. And he came into Boston, and he was a guest on the show, and I had no idea who he was. And uh, I studied up during the day, and I prepped my questions, and I got my segments ready. I realized this guy is an amazing guy. And I got talking to him, and he was telling me, I said, I said, what makes you successful? He says, my losses. I said, what do you mean? He says, the stuff that I tried and failed at. And he wrote a book. You mentioned W. Clement to get me out here, right? Well, it always does, because I know you're a fan of W. Clements like I am. I and, my, he changed my life. It's, well, you know that so I he's had... He's the one to blame. But I had, I had my moments with him uh, back when, when I was producing talk in Boston and just fell in love with this guy, and he taught me so much. And we were talking about, uh, just a second, I was getting into as you came back out, Matt, about... W. Clement Stone wrote a book about uh, the stuff that he failed at and how stupid some of that stuff was. You, so we're not talking about the success system that never fails. No. We're talking about the fail system that the fa- often no, succeeds. No, no, but, but, he, but That's he, the only book I ever read by him. I'd like to... I, I, I don't know. know if this was a book or a paper That's he wrote. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how many But, but he, he was had. telling me... Uh, he told me about this before I saw whatever it was. Oh, it, and, and it's it, cool that you got to meet him. Oh, God, was That's it ever. Cool. And uh, he, he is the guy that got me hooked on snuff. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, he was a cigar smoker. Big time cigar smoker, and I'm about 19, and he's in the studio, and he's getting re- getting ready for the show, and all of a sudden he starts sniffing something, and I'm thinking, it's the big C, <laughs> you know, and I can't have that in my studio, because I'll, I'll get fired. Right. So well, I, I think I, he was snorting coffee. I, no, I go up to uh, to W. Clement, I go, uh, what is that? And he, he he pulls it out, and he says, it's snuff, young man, hey. snuff, snuff. And I said, snuff? And he said, yeah, try this. And that's when I became hooked on snuff. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Well, is that a snuff of snuff? I guess we got yeah. her. That's good. That's good. Erin, are you in? <clears throat> is she there, Matt? I am so late. I'm so sorry. Well, when you get late, I get worried. Uh, well, it could have been, but I'm here. I've been on the road. I just want too much time, go. 
Oh, well, that's all right. We love you. <laughs> Just and went to where, Aaron? Where, 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 where are we on the road to? I'm in Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Again with the Ohio. <laughs> Well, as we we told people on my blog, I discovered that CBS stands for Crime Babe Supreme, named after you. Which oh, I, think, I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not Columbia Broadcast System. It's Crime Babe Supreme in honor of Aaron Moriarty. Okay. Or Crime Babe Slow. Crime <laughs> Babe Slow. Uh, Burrell, if you ask her what she's wearing, I'm going to come You beat me to it. My you. first questionnaire was going to be, hey, what are you wearing? I'm going to come over there and slap you. <laughs> but they won't let me do that. Well, the no. first Aaron, 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 it's Howard. How are you? Hey, listen. Hi, Howard. Listen, I try to keep Burl in line. <laughs> I, I told him, I said, look, we have a you know a, an upstanding guest, somebody that has been doing this for a long, long time. Let's find out about her. And he said, the first thing I want to find out is, what is she wearing? <laughs> and he starts that crap every week, and that's even with the male guest. <laughs> <laughs> he's rather incorrigible. Yes, I am. Actually, he's incorrigible, but we won't go there. Yeah, we won't go there. Uh, Going on to a somewhat serious topic here, I was watching before I, I uh, came out to the uh, the Lighten Up Lounge on the uh, CBS website, watching the West Memphis 3 show that you did uh, a couple weeks ago. And you followed that from uh, pretty close to the beginning, didn't you? Well, not as much as HBO. HBO actually, thank God, um, there were two filmmakers from HBO back in the 90s when there was actually the trial. And they decided to follow the case from the beginning because they thought, here we have these three young men who committed this terrible murder for satanic reasons. And then when they saw what happened to them, they did their first... Um, uh, Paradise Lost? Paradise Lost, yeah. And that really made all the difference in the world. And if people had not seen that original trial, I don't think the, the three men would be out today. But we did get on it afterwards, and we certainly were among the people. There are also people who wrote books who highlighted the problems in the case. There were plenty of problems in that case. I watched that original documentary when it came out, and I was going, how the hell did they get away with this? And I don't mean the murders, I mean the convictions. Um, but it happens all the time. And, you know, we have another case that I'm just waiting. It could happen this week, could happen next week. We're hoping that this young man gets his conviction overturned. But again, it was very lucky that I happened to be there for the trial seven years ago. And you can see what went wrong. You can see the problems in the police videos when they first interrogated the young man. Which case is um, this, Aaron? This, well, we always called it the dream killer. But it's the case of Ryan Ferguson. Ryan Ferguson was a 19-year-old kid when the police suddenly arrested him for the murder of a sports writer back in 2001. Hmm. And what happened, the reason why they've been after him was the young man he had been with on that Halloween night dreamed that they had committed this murder. Oh, and yeah. even though there's no physical evidence to tie either young man, both of them are for sports. And it was based on a dream. Now, that's not very uh, solid evidence. It's hard to run DNA on a dream. Well, well you know what? There's tons of DNA at the scene. There, there is hair. There are footprints. They don't match either young man. But I guess the young man who had the dream, and I could go on and on about this case, he, had, he was drinking a lot, taking all kinds of drugs at the time. 
he would black out. But he made an incredible witness at trial. And the jury kept saying, why would this guy be willing to take take a prison sentence and point to somebody else unless he really did it? And uh, even that's though faulty now, thinking right there. Uh, absolutely. There is now no evidence at all to tie Ryan Ferguson to the crime because Chuck Erickson, the young man who first pointed the finger, has now admitted he has no idea what happened that night. He doesn't know if he was there. He doesn't know whether Ryan was there. Um, and it turns out that he had so many blackout issues. It, it's it's just an incredible story. Well, I'm, I'm amazed. I keep seeing and looking at the videos of people who were released from prison after seven years, 18 years, 35 years, or 27 years. Oh, gee, we're sorry. We made a mistake. Well, how do you, well, you can't get that, those years of your life back. We can't. And you know what? It's far more common that it's 17, 18, 30 years. Seven years, if Ryan Ferguson gets out after seven years, that will be a record. No one gets out that early. Um, it usually is definitely decades or even generations um, before someone gets out. You cannot get that. You're breaking up. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what that is. Maybe move to the other side of the room. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. Is better? Yeah, I think so. We'll find out if you say a few more sentences. We're just kind of, we're just kind of clipping a few words there. Well, you've certainly said, you know, one of the, the, the other things I, w I wanted to discuss with you the, the last time you were on, I never say last, the previous time you were on, was you were talking about that when you went over to the war zone, how upset you were that you were lied to. That really bothered you. And uh, I'd written this thing where I called, what is the culpability of journalists who print the lie and know it's a lie, but don't say anything if this results in deaths? Or anything, Pearl. Or anything. Forget about death. I mean, what? You know, you know, hey, Aaron, let me ask you a quick yeah. question. What happened to journalism? Where is it? Well, I have to say, I mean, I still think there's a lot of good journalism that's being done. I really do. Um, but I do think that because the whole profession has suffered um, in terms of newspapers, don't have as many people buying them, subscribing to them, I don't think companies are willing to spend the money nor the time to do the investigative journalism that has to be done. Now, the New York Times still does it, the Washington Post. Um, there are a number of groups that, have, um, that are independently doing the nonprofit groups. Uh, ProPublica, I think is the name of one of them. Well, but, don't, don't um, even start me on those guys, okay? Because, <laughs> no, seriously. And, and the end of the journalistic world came about three weeks ago when I was involved with something, and the, 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 the Wall Street Journal quoted Gawker.com as a oh, source. Scary. What was the story? Um, I can I or can I get into this because it crosses into my day job. Um, the the story was about um, Dr. Drew, uh, and they were saying that he uh, was on the take from drug companies. Not true, okay? <laughs> Not true. Evidence in my office. If if there was one journalist in the world, and this thing ran in every newspaper, and it was quoting the Wall Street Journal, who was quoting Gawker.com, there was no source. The source is my office. Nobody called. 
So um, there was just, I've, I've never seen sh- such shoddy journalism in my life. And I was going to burn my degree. I've got to, uh, well, <laughs> Howard, I've got to tell you, that is the problem that's going on right now. What's happening is, and we see this a lot, there are a number of good, what or what you would used to think were good news operations that feel free to quote some because they'll say, publish reports set. And then they remove themselves from the responsibility. And a perfect example has been with this Aurora. We have not done that. CBS to the, I mean, I've been very pleased to see we will not do it. But giving you some examples, remember when Brian Knox reported that James Holmes was a Tea Party member and he made a mistake? Yeah. That was reported everywhere. They just trusting Brian Knox. He was wrong. Remember also when they reported that the mother of James Holmes had said, yes, that's my kid. And I believe, I actually think the mother was right when she said, no, they just understood what I was saying. You asked me whether I was mother. And I said, yes. Hey, Aaron, Aaron, I'm going to ask you to do something, okay? There's nothing nasty. I want you to hang up and call us back. Oh, it's breaking up. Okay, I'll call you right back. Okay. Bye. Okay. You man the madness show, Howard. I'll go stand by the phone. <laughs> I, I will be happy to man the show. It, it, um, and I can't wait for her to call back because this this business, and we can talk about cases and we will, but this the business about what happened to journalism has just been killing me. It really is. Uh, uh, well, there you go. Magic Matt Allen. Uh, we will be back with Aaron in, in a matter of seconds. But the uh, we know that uh, we, the listeners must have been going nuts. So we had to stop that. Let's get her back, and hopefully that the uh, the phone is working because she's got so much to say, and she says it so well. Well, she does. When it comes to journalism, we—I mean, this is—you know—there are some journalists left. Hello, hello. No, oh, here it is. Okay, we're hanging. There we go. This is so exciting. So, Hank Kingsley at the beginning of the Larry Sanders show. <laughs> We're taking a break. We'll be right back in 60 seconds. If you own an iPhone or ride the plastic pony in front of Kroger, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application. The smoke and drink and interrupted. Did I say interrupting? 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio, like me. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week, now available at the iTunes App Store. Hi, I'm the legendary Burl Bear, also known around here as Uncle Crazy. Sometimes they say I'm a communist. Sometimes they say I'm a socialist. Hey, be socialist, have a Pepsi. In my spare time, and I'm not ruling the universe of contemporary broadcasting, I write investigative true crime masterpieces. One of them is called Headshot. Yes, Headshot. It's supposedly true crime at its best, and I agree. A story about two psychopaths, actually three, but two and a half psychopaths. Astrid Kutcher showed up later. <laughs> it's a very complex story. Anyway, buy that book. You'll love it. And when you're buying that one, you should also get Masters of True Crime. Catherine Ramsland, Kathy Scott, Robert Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Scott Tissues. They're all in there. Well, not all of them. But I'm in there, too, as a master of true crime. 
Thank you. More than just a master of my domain. So when you want true crime, you want books by the legendary Burl Bear. B-U-R-L-B-A-R-E-R. Available wherever fine books are sold. Yes, of course. Burl Bear. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Okay, we're back. We have Aaron Moriarty of CBS 48 Hours. We're discussing the bizarre state of journalism where you can quote just about anybody. Well, when you start quoting Gawker.com. No, I'm telling you, it was the Wall Street Journal. It was filed out of London. Now, what does that tell you, Aaron? Who owns that? Who owns that newspaper? Well, we know it's Murdoch. Of course. So, I mean, and they're filing. They're filing out of London, quoting Gawker.com, and it's 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 it's. I want to say sickening, yes, but sad. It's sad because people go, well, I saw in the Wall Street Journal. It must be true. Well, not only that, it stays forever because it will go on the Internet. And even when you've had numerous articles that say, okay, there's no proof of this, it didn't happen, it's still, the original still exists on the Internet. And so that's, I mean, a real drawback as well. And then you have people who pretend to be news outlets. Examiner.com is another choice one. I don't know if you heard about this, but the... uh uh, Texas ranch invasion story where supposedly these Mexican gangs came across the border, invaded a man's ranch and took over uh, an invasion. And this was widely promulgated for several hours. And I went this. But the way the story was written didn't have who, what, when, where. That simple stuff. <laughs> yeah, it didn't have any of that simple yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I did an immediate check. Amazingly enough, the first ones to call BS on it was the Texas GOP because they wanted to distance themselves from that insanity. It was a fake story cooked up by some militia oh, group. And, uh, but you've heard, you've heard me say this on the show before, and Aaron, I'll say it. You'll, this will be the first time you're hearing it from me. But I believe, I believe about 98% of what I read in the uh, Star Magazine and the National Enquirer. And I'm not kidding. I believe about 60% of what I read in the L.A. Times. The vetting system that American media has now on those rags is is second to none. If they've got you, they've got you. They're not going to print unless they do. Well, because, yeah, because they have lawyers who are very involved, but they also pay for their stories. So you wonder, you know, there's enough truth and what concerns me about their stories are whether they've been exaggerated or whether people have been blackmailed. I mean, I ran into that once with, with one of those the Globe um, well, where yeah, the they glo- actually the, the, blackmailed somebody or tried to blackmail them to, in, in return to get information from them. By the way, I agree on the Globe. Uh, the American media stuff, the, uh, the Star and uh, uh, the National Enquirer, uh, you know, they, they're not paying now. And they've got lawyers, you know, they've got rows and rows and rows of lawyers. That's, and that's what happens. Well, because they got used to get sued all the time. Well, then they, they had to put a stop to it. It's cheaper for them to run, run legal on all this stuff than it is to, to get sued. And because they were getting sued. But the Globe, they, the Globe doesn't care. There's a bunch of them that just don't care. They'll print anything. I want to know who did the vetting on the story about the alien in the White House. Did you ever cover that one, Aaron? No, I missed that one. <laughs> that really... Uh, that really well, I was always you, impressed with the National Enquirer when they did the John Edwards because... That one was, no one believed that John Edwards would be that 
outlandish, <laughs> outrageous. Um, and so they thought it had to be a made-up story, and it turned out the National Enquirer was only right. They had him cold. We know the that The story now. was worse than we can imagine, and I covered the trial. Mm-hmm. I still, to this day, cannot believe how hypocritical he was. And it just... I mean, what if he had been vice president? What if he had become president? Oh God! I supported the guy. I mean, you know, I was taken in like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else, but but you sit there and you go, my God! I've been lied to all the public community. Well, Gary Hart well, comes to mind. No, Gary Hart was nothing compared to John Edwards. True, but it's the same. I mean, Gary Hart was on a boat with a couple of women. Good for him. But <laughs> no, seriously, John Edwards is you know fathering children from coast to coast with his, his wife home with cancer and it, and lying to his, his wife about where he's putting this this girlfriend and you know having his friends pay millions of dollars. Although he's not convicted of having his friends do it, but there were friends of his that whisked her just. I think in the current election, I would be shocked if either, in either case, Romney or Obama are guilty. One, I, you know, God, I hope I'd never have to eat my words, but both of them seem to be... Above that sort of thing. Yes, yes. I, well, let's, let's hope. Uh, I mean, Edward, oh Edwards Edwards, a special case. And you, uh, you, you did cover that one? Oh, my gosh, I covered the trial, yes. Oh, and God. it was just... It, it, I covered it because... I didn't think they really had enough evidence to try him. And I believe very strongly that even if you're not crazy about the defendant, you still want you want prosecutions to be fair. And I wouldn't want I wouldn't want anyone to hound me the way I felt that the government was hounding John Edwards. They just didn't have the goods. Um and it turns out that they didn't have the goods. So um Go ahead. Sorry. No, go on. No, I was gonna say, wait, I mean what did you start to turn in the room? Well, the clanging it, it, sound it, it, was her jaw hitting the floor every well, so often. Well, th- that's, that's my question, is when did it start for you? This can't, this is, oh my God, it's true. Well, on on the, on fooling around on his wife, that came when I, of course, when the National Enquirer and the whole story broke in 2008. Right. But the bottom line is they were charging him with these finance, really corruption. Right. And there just wasn't any real evidence of it. And here's what my job fell to the floor during the trial. When it turned out that the government's main key witness, um, Andrew Young, had used more money to build his own house than went to either Riel Hunter or... I, I was shocked. I mean, that's the government's case. That's their main witness in prison for 30 years um, based on a guy who took more money than... Riel Hunter ended up with a little less than $200,000 from friends, you know, um, uh, both Good the lawyer who's now dead and the uh, bunny melon. And, and Riel Hunter ended up, you know, with just a portion of what Andrew Young walked away building his house with. Uh, and uh, Tony Sarah, you know, the defense attorney? Mm-hmm. And one of his big things that he's all gets worked up about, and so do I, is the whole thing about paid informants uh, and government witnesses who are or uh, prosecutors witnesses who are paid for their testimony, whether it's in some uh, getting out of jail early or getting a new car. They're <laughs> like a snitch. Yeah, it's like what people use when they use jailhouse snitches. You really have to question the credibility and the government. Sometimes I know the government argues they have to use it. If you're you're dealing with corrupt people, they're they're 
the people they're hanging out with are usually corrupt as well. Um, but in this case, it, it was just astounding to me. And, you know, here's, that's the concern, too. I have a little bit in the Drew Peterson trial is that, I mean, I think most people think no man has two wives just disappear. I mean, he, is he really, truly that unlucky? Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I was hoping, but, uh, you know. <laughs> that's terrible. That's <laughs> Howard. That's terrible. I don't mean disappear like that. No, come on. But on the other hand, you also want the prosecution to have a really good case. And it's, it is a concern to me that in the case of Drew Peterson, that this particular prosecutor helped draw up a law that would allow in hearsay that was specific to this case. Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait. No, 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 no. You can't do that. I guess you can. <laughs> do what? Well, Say I, that? Bring, it, bring in hearsay specific only to this case. No, no, no. I'm saying, but it's very difficult. You know that the law was changed. They call it the Drew Peterson law. Now, in the end, the court decided, the appeals court decided to allow the hearsay in based on common law. And the judge is going to decide on each one. But it does concern you theoretically. You don't want a prosecutor to say, let's change the law to get this particular defendant. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying, look, I'm glad the hearsay is getting in. I think it should get in on this case. What concerns me is changing the law, because so they changed the law and then charged him. Yeah, well, I, I've seen ones where the jury has come back and said, can we find him guilty of something he wasn't charged with? And they said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Now, that's very peculiar, because how do you defend yourself against a conviction of a crime of which you were never charged? You can't do that, can you? It's been done. How do you, how do, you do it? It has? Yes. That's well, you can't do that. that if, I can see grand jury doing it. If, but uh, I pick up Masters of True Crime and read the article by Burl Bear on the Alaska mail bomb conspiracy, and you will find it in there. Wow. Wow. It's, I've never seen it before. I've never seen it since. There's Was no, it a lecture-included offense? Well, there's no due process. Of course there wasn't. There was no due process. They simply said, yeah, you can uh, go ahead and convict him of that. He was never charged with it. Well, no, but if it was a lesser included offense, then you could say, well, it included all the elements that he was charged with. No, they just wanted to to convict him of something, and they couldn't convict him on any of the things he was charged with, so they came up with something else to convict him of. This was in Alaska? Yeah. Oh, well, I said they did the case. They tried the case, I believe, in San Francisco. Oh. Change of venue. But it was very, very strange. You'll enjoy reading it. But it's, it's scary. The things that go on in a so-called American justice, the more I research it, the scarier it gets. Well, I have a, uh, Aaron, I'm just, I'm curious to get your take on why you think prosecutors are more interested in the conviction and less interested in the truth and the right person going to jail. Well, because unfortunately, a lot of them are elected, and the way they run is by saying win-loss record. I mean, you've heard Nancy Grace talk about how she never lost a case. Well, that doesn't make her a good prosecutor. Um, That worries me when a prosecutor says, I've never lost a case, because they're not always right. And um, so I think it's all just because we judge the efficiency and the abilities and the quality of a prosecutor on the wrong stats. What mm-hmm. should matter is if a person got a really fair trial and the prosecutor brings up... First, the prosecutor is not supposed to bring a case unless he believes, he or she believes, 
that they can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And I don't even think prosecutors do that all the time. But once they do, there should be no shame in losing if you did your best job and that person yeah, but all these, manages uh, the, to be acquitted. Prosecutors want to win. I mean, because that's, what, that's how they get reelected. Of that's course. not. It shouldn't be about winning and losing. It should be about justifying the truth. So, so there's a big hole in the system then. Huge. Huge hole because it's not about finding the truth. It is about convicting someone. So how do you how do you make that change? Money. No, 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 no. Seriously. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you made your case cold, quickly. How do you? How do we change it? Well, I think it's two things. I think you have to educate prosecutors. Um, I, I believe that. I, I think they have to believe that that's really their purpose instead of winning. You know, because how you go up in the ranks is, of course, by how many trials you win. But I think you also have to educate the public. And um, and I think, in a way, that's what I try to do every single week, because I try to pick cases that have really interesting legal points and issues, and um, I try to take a lot of wrongfully convicted, not because I don't believe in the system, but because I do believe in the system, and I want to show people where it goes wrong. And sometimes it's prosecutors wearing blinders. Uh, sometimes it's cops wearing blinders and prosecutors not asking a lot of questions. Um, you know, to me, it's just a matter of educating the public on, you know, and I think the public is becoming more and more educated ever since O.J. Simpson, where you had two communities watching the same trial and seeing the evidence from a different perspective because whether you believe in the system or you don't believe in the system. And I think Americans are becoming more concerned on um, more aware that sometimes justice isn't done so as you're working for cbs you're doing your show are, are your goal to teach and entertain i suppose it is entertaining yes i feel that you can't teach like every teacher would know this unless you make it interesting and um provocative and yes entertaining um but i don't take a case just to entertain. I won't do one that's just, oh, titillating or... In fact, you know, to me, that's... We have not done anything on the Drew Peterson, but if I did, I would focus totally on the legal issues involved and not, you know, what is the really the stuff. And, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna keep Ma and Pa American at the edge of their couch watching you? <laughs> so far, they watch. They as do. long as I tell the story well and, and, you know, lay it out well and leave the big... You know, like, you know, every five, seven minutes, you know, some new fact that they'll, they'll be surprised by or... You a know. lot of work must go into those. And i got to give a compliment, uh, not only to you, but because I don't think... That, but whoever does this, the things that show the mood and the atmosphere of the town or the place. Uh, there was a shot of a bird in a, in, on a... On a, a fence, the wire fence with something in his mouth uh, on the uh, uh, one with the West Memphis 3 and other little shots of the community that gave you a real feel for the area. And whoever does that stuff does a great job because it's not like you're just dropping in into someone's living room. They always just set it up so you know where you are in terms of, shall we say, the ambiance of the story. Well, but sometimes it, it's not even just the atmosphere or the ambiance. You know what? It's really important, and I, I shouldn't be giving this away, but it's a case I'm going to air this. Uh, it's There was a trial, and, and the two women were convicted. But why? And I lay it out slowly, and I'm hoping I surprise the audience. But 
so it's Louisiana, and it's Lake Charles, Louisiana, and we really give you a sense of place, and here's why. Because in the end, at the end of the trial, there's a holdout. There are 11 jurors and who say guilty and one that says not. Now, you all know, as well as I do, that in most states in this country, that means there'd be a hung jury and a mistrial. Right. Those women would go home that night. But it's Louisiana. And in Louisiana, even for murder, to convict someone for murder, you only need 10 jurors. So mm. they, and in Louisiana, life means life. No parole, nothing. And so these women, even though there's a woman on the jury who is heartbroken and believes they did not prove this case and is, you know, so upset about being on this jury, those two women are in prison for life unless this case is overturned. Now, would, uh, most people are under the impression that there is like a universal standard of weight and measures, that there's a universal standard for the entire nation, but that's not the case. It's not. Louisiana still exists a great deal by the Napoleonic Code, and it's very different than what the law is in most countries, I mean, most uh, states. Here's another example that, you know, you might not know, and in the end, it didn't become an issue on another case that could have. In Florida, unless it's a first-degree murder case, you are not entitled to 12 jurors. You're oh. only entitled to six. What? It's yeah, Florida. So, no, seriously. Uh, Florida, yeah. Florida's strange. Florida, it's easier to send someone off to an institution by saying, I think they use drugs than it is if they are mentally ill. Oh, I believe that's true. It is, I think yeah. that's, but I think that's actually true in a lot of things. It's a very, very, very strange. And if they say, no, I don't need to, to go to treatment, that's taken as proof they need to go to treatment with no medical diagnosis. Well, this is pretty accurate. No. <laughs> well, guess again. But, no, Florida scares me. Louisiana scares me, but you can still get a good meal in the quarter. <laughs> you sure can. I, mean, I love the state, yeah. but the law and, of course, the prisons are often for profit. And so there is, of course, an incentive to send people to prison. That's scary, too. Very. Um, and so there, those are, it's not just a matter of, of giving people a sense of place, but it's really important so that they understand that this is a conviction that might or might not have happened elsewhere. And I think that's important um, for people to know. And especially since I'm not absolutely sure these women are guilty, it might be because I don't want them to be because mm -hmm. I like them, but um, they were convicted by 11 jurors. And uh, it's, it, these, sometimes these cases haunt me and make me lose sleep and really get to me. That, that was going to be my next question because I know in writing these, these true crime books that I do, uh, especially if it's uh, you know young kids that have been murdered or something like that, uh, it's a it's a year of hell for me. <laughs> you know, I have to stop and write something hopefully funny afterwards to clear my head out. Oh, there's a question, and especially because my job is to get people to tell me things that they might not mm. tell everyone. You know, just drop yeah. in. You really get to know people, and um, so. I mean, even the people I think who might have committed murder, I, that's my job is to get people to trust and like me and talk to me. And so you don't, even if you think someone's guilty, you don't walk away from that easily. And um, there's a few killers I don't care about, but most, I hate to say, most of the people I spend time with, prosecutors, defense attorneys, uh, defendants, families, I, I do care about these people. What's the biggest bombshell that you un un unearthed? 
Well, I think it, I think we've made a huge difference in this Ryan Ferguson case. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, in each one of these, we usually have new evidence. Um, we try to have something that hasn't been. I don't know if I would call any of them bombshells, but certainly things that people are surprised by don't know. Um, I know that we've taken sides that have turned out to be right later on. Um, on the Patsy Ramsey, the John Bay Ramsey case, where mm-hmm. early on, and we took a lot of heat on the internet because we did not feel that it was a slam dunk that this family was involved at all. Oh, but I, the evidence I, yeah. seemed to point. You might talk to John Douglas about this. I'm sure he was assigned to them at the time. And he was telling me that it just drove him crazy, all that tabloid stuff, blaming the parents because they didn't show enough grief on television. Exactly. That was insane. We took a lot of heat, and then but we stuck with the story. That's the same thing we did with the Amanda Gotti story. I don't know whether you're familiar with Arturo Gotti. There's a big question. The fighter, the New Jersey fighter whether he committed suicide in 2009 or whether he was murdered by his wife. And, of course, his family would like to have the wife be, you know, pinpointed as the murderer so they could get the money. But in the end, I mean, we looked at all the evidence. And when I first met her, I, you know, she's a beautiful woman. I didn't care whether she, you know, I had no dog in the fight. But after looking at all the evidence, I really was convinced that she didn't have anything to do with it, that this was a man who had been severely damaged by years of fighting, had mental and depressive depression problems, and uh, committed suicide. And that's our job, even if you take a lot of heat, um, mm-hmm. to point that out and show what the evidence shows. Well, a lot of people don't, you know, this has been a, there's some recent research done in the past couple of years, I don't think maybe it was out of Scandinavia, but it was research on America, that facts are becoming more and more irrelevant to Americans. <laughs> that they'll yeah. uh, form an opinion first, and it doesn't matter what facts, what evidence comes to light. Uh, they'll you know all the, discount the source. Oh, that came from uh, CBS. Uh, you can't trust them. Oh, that came from Burl Barry. He's getting paid to write the book. Uh, you know anything to not look at whatever evidence is put forward, and that's scary. Well, I think in part because also people only watch the news that agrees with their viewpoints. And so the country is, is more divided um, and more partisan than probably it's been probably in generations. And so that's, that's frightening why people don't. I mean, to me, that's what I love. I like when somebody might change my mind about something. Um, I find that interesting. I want to hear. I want to form an idea based on information and not just read information that agrees with me. Sometimes I'm scared to read something that might change my mind. But, um, you know, because that can be upsetting. But um, but I want it. So I don't the, uh, understand uh, uh, the question I ask people, and this is a kind of a brain twister, and that is, assuming what you believe is true, what if you found out the reason you believe it is false? Which, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that's the John Edwards thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, a, a piece of that is John Edwards. A piece of that answer, you know. Um, I still can't get over that. I'm sorry. Well, I, you know, the Elliot Spitzers of this world, the John Edwards. Um, how about that, well, Elliot? <laughs> and he comes. He was able to come back, you know. Uh, you well, know, uh, to a certain extent. Well, to a, yeah, look. Look, I deal with, with, with brand reconstruction. I mean, I understand how that works, but, you know, Elliot, my God. <laughs> It's not, not easy, you know, being in the well, public. Well, the one who's talking about trying to come back is Wiener. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't think I could 
ever vote for a man who used such poor judgment. What a moron. And I'll say, yes. I'll say that live and in person. What you know? And here's a guy who I thought, you know, I'd seen him uh, not often, but uh, you know, saw him a lot. He used to do Bill Maher show. It seems like an intelligent, intelligent guy. And then you read about him. Great, great politician, good man, blah, blah, blah. Pictures on the Internet. <laughs> well, and I think after we've seen what's happened with someone like John Edwards, I think now we, if, if someone shows any kind of, you know, questionable behavior, we just say no. And, um, look, I understand, like, he probably can't get a job. Um, his his behavior was just so weird. But, um, but I think... He, I, I, you know, I can't believe that he's talking to people about running again in, again in New York because yeah, I think most people would say, no, you had your chance. Unbelievable. Well, Mary, Mary, Mary and Barry uh, ran again for mayor. Of course, a lot of people were rooting for him on that one. They thought well, he was screwed. Yeah, yeah, he was a little bit, and it's uh, D.C., who cares? But Well, I also <laughs> think that's a little different. I think people look at, you know, drug problems as, oh, you know, but for the grace of God goes goes I. You know, people have alcohol problems, drug problems. There was some corruption in there, too. But um, I think the wiener issue is, you know, just was so out there and so weird and such, showed such bad judgment that it's almost different. He didn't really commit a crime, but it's such bad judgment. You think, oh, my gosh, how could he... How could he be a, a public servant? Well, th- that raises a whole other issue of, of who could possibly be a politician or a public servant because they go over your life with a fine-tooth comb looking for, you know, every weekend of a hookers and blow you ever yeah, had. Yeah, 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 and then Edwards. You know, it, we, I keep coming back to that. You know, know. how do they miss that? Well, I'll tell you one one reason that things get missed. Let's go back to Eagle uh, Eagleton. Remember Tom Eagleton going sure. to be vice president? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the poor guy went to the shrink. Well, what he's done? But what the question that was asked him, and maybe Aaron knows this or not, the question was, "Hey, Tom, are there any skeletons in your closet?" Without defining what that meant, he took it to mean any legal things, any corruptions. And, and, no, and right no, again, by the way, and no, no skeletons in well, my closet it, because he went to a shrink. Yeah, but they made. Well, because supposedly he had a nervous breakdown. So he had a nervous breakdown? So what? Well, I think he also had what is now pretty common, the electrical... I, I didn't I also have... You just, what happened? We just went off. There we go. Okay, we're back. Oh. But um, I agree. But see, they learn each time on the betting. I just actually read a really interesting article about that, that every time a vice president, for instance, is batted, they learn something new. Like, it never occurred to anyone betting Sarah Palin to ask if she knew about the world. It never occurred to them. Well, because you assume she read a book. Yeah, each person thought the other other group had vetted her. Yeah, Yeah, but they also didn't think, it never occurred to them a governor wouldn't be well-informed. And so What did we learn from that? Aaron, what did we learn? (laughs) What did we learn? Even a dance can get elected. Uh, You know... That's uh, uh, unbelievable. Because uh, they knew her daughter was pregnant. They thought they were dealing with all the issues. They knew about Trooper Gate. They knew about what they thought were the problems and never thought that she'd have trouble answering what newspapers she read in the morning. It never occurred to them to ask a question like that. But who would? But who would ask that question? Right. Know, a journalist. Well, well, a journalist. Yeah, yeah. Katie Kirk asked yeah. the question, right? I uh, thought it was a good question. It was a great question. She, you know why? Because she had her cold. She knew the answer to that question before she asked it. 
I'm not sure she did. I think she wanted, I think she thought she was going to show that it was all conservative newspapers. Uh, you, know you know what, you're magazines. right. You're, you're right, because they'll, they'll fly those questions and cut it and cut later. You're, you're right. Yeah, uh, I think she was just trying to show that Sarah Palin was, you know, seriously right-wing conservative bent. But how it about, never occurred to her that she couldn't even come up with a new. How answer. about getting that answer <laughs> the other end of your question? I mean, come on. How great was that? But, well, it, it actually wasn't because afterwards Katie said that she just couldn't believe it, that sometimes she just didn't even know how to do a follow-up because the answers were just so incredible. Well, as a journalist, how do you follow that? Yeah. After you've been whacked across the chops with that... And you go, my God! I just got gold. I don't even know how to spend this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, I mean, you know, call me partisan, but you know that was a huge error uh, in uh, judgment. You talk about errors in judgment. Uh, it brought the McCain ship to a halt. And yeah. you know, there you go. And 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 she's still she's still uh, you know she's still around. You know, I had the pleasure of actually, and and I to say it's a pleasure. I met her. I don't know if you ever met her. She, you know, couldn't have been nicer, you know. But, oh, I bet but, she is. I mean, I, but, I was very impressed with her during the Republican convention four years ago. Sure. It'll be interesting to see what part, if any, she plays at the convention this year. And because uh, that will be, you know, that's that's what journalists are interested in, you know, reading the tea leaves, what, what's going on there. It'll be interesting. Right. I don't think uh, my bet is no. My bet oh, is what's, what's his? Uh, now I'm going. I was trying to think of his name. The guy, the 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 lovable right wing uh, fascist who got bounced off of MSNBC when he wrote the latest book, which was typically anti-Semitic and racist. He ran for president once. Who? Uh, the guy that got fired from MSNBC is the commentator. A guy like that was working for MSNBC. Yeah, so they could have a right wing fascist, you know, for his perspective. Is that right? Yeah. You know, uh, David Duke's buddy. Now say I'm going. David nuts. Duke's buddy, my friends. He hangs with He hangs with good people. Well, you know, uh, you know he did run for the, president. Put it on the website when you remember. Yeah, I remember who it is. Who got fired? Who got? Like, but, so this was a few months ago. Yeah. But uh, some of these guys are really likable. Well, there's a lot of people that are likable. There's a lot of people that can perform. There's, there's, uh, you know, media icons, so to speak, that uh, that that lie on different sides of the the, the party lines. I mean, deep inside and, and touted, very likable. Like Rush Limbaugh, you know, Rush Limbaugh's a performer. You know, he performs as a right wing talk show host. He could very well be a left wing guy. He's a disc jockey from St. Louis and he's out there performing. So if that's the bit, that might be the bit. I don't know what he really believes. I really don't. I think he started to buy his own crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's always a that always but, same, happen. Thing, same thing with Glenn Beck. Another disc jockey. KJR Seattle. Yeah. Used to work at the same station. Look, yeah, look, the you know, you're, Aaron, you're talking to a bunch of disc jockeys. You know, but that's uh, you know where we all started. So I can I can spot these guys a mile away, but you don't know if they're performing or not. But that's you know I, I digress uh, because they're they're not journalists. What, None of uh, them. Before we uh, have to wrap up, what what uh, cases or stories are you investigating and working on for down the road that we won't see for a little while yet? Still doing well, work one on. story I, I think is, and it's really been eye-opening for me, um, is the fact that medical examiners, even good medical examiners, forensic pathologists, are making errors. And it's because I, I just never realized how much it's much more an art than a science. And on some of these very tough cases, somebody can go on trial. And even though that medical examiner's evidence could, or opinion is wrong. 
And we're finding more and more cases like that. And so I find that to be a really interesting investigation we're working on. Uh, Susan Murphy Milano did some was in Oklahoma where the guy is, was shot in the back several times and they ruled it suicide. And they've done that. I mean, I'm telling you, there's so many cases that child uh, shaken baby cases. Mm-hmm. Some are real, some are not. Um, we're finding, and if you're poor and you can't afford to hire an expert, you're in trouble. And um, and we're finding a number of cases all throughout the country. It's eye-opening and scary. Very right. scary. So so uh, after 48 hours, what uh, what's, on, what's on the horizon? Yeah, I don't know. That's always a hard one. You know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, and sometimes I think it would be really fun to work in a DA's office um, because I feel, as, as you and I, we all talked about, how important it is to educate uh, DAs. And But who knows? You know, I'm pretty happy where I am. I love what I'm doing. Well, good, I know that at some us. point they're going to say I have space for radio. We think you're a crime hottie. We do. Yeah, but, but at this moment, I'm just really happy where I am. Well, that's good. I mean, as I just said, it's good for us. We're happy. Well, you know, every prosecutor that we've had on the show, I've always asked them, have you been told to prosecute a case that you didn't believe in? And they've all said yes. That's scary. That's scary. Well, how about, how about if you become a, a prosecutor, you know, you'd, you'd start losing cases. And I know. You, and, and I would you, last six weeks. You'd be a, broad, you'd be a broadcaster again. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. going back to broadcasting we're for getting, punishment. We're getting you back. We're getting you back. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I mean, seriously. It's been great being here as usual. I love talking to you guys, so this has been great. Can we do this again within the, the next few months, please? Please. I'd love to. Oh, great. Love to. Great. And I promise I'll be on time. Oh, there okay, we go. great. Thank you so much, Aaron Moriarty, CBS 48 Hours. Love you. Thanks again. Could talk to her for hours She's and great. hours and hours. Seriously, we got to get her back quicker. Let's not forget. Uh, what a great guy. We, we barely scratched the surface. We didn't even get in cases. That, I mean, wow. She's great. Okay, coming up. Uh, you, know what, you know what makes her good is because she, you don't sense, you, you don't, you sense justice. You don't sense a bias. Unlike yes. Burl Bear, who is the most friggin' ridiculous lefty on the planet. <laughs> be, be a socialist. That's why I'm here, for the credibility. Yes. I'm one of America's most respected investigative journalists. Hey, guess what's going on next? Uh, Magic Man Allen in the uh, Demons of Deck. That's correct. I'm staying. I'm going to stay all night. For yeah, and I'm only staying till 5 because i got to catch a plane to have lunch with Pat O'Day, who this time is going to say, Matthew, because I had brain surgery this year, I'm not going to fire you from the mighty 95. I picked up the paper this morning.